Marcus Sahaba Online Radio, serving you wherever you are. Over the weekend, the public protector attended a prayer meeting that was on Friday with some of her most fervent supporters. The judiciary was the subject of uh, the pre- a recent prayer meeting for the public protector, Busisibu uh, Mukwebani, where female judges were warned by the head of the ANC Women's League about their questionable judgments and that this will not be tolerated. ANC Youth Women's League uh, President Abatebile Dlamini told journalists outside the Kwamatlanga showgrounds in Mpumalanga on Friday where the mass meeting had taken place. If there are going to be decisions that make us question the authenticity of the judgments they make, we are going to have a problem with that. She said female judges should not forget who paved their way to such positions, saying it was the struggles of the likes of Wavuni Madikizela Mandela who sacrificed for them to be judges. Well, um, that uh, doesn't sound as though the ANC is holding on to its line that uh, judicial independence needs to be protected. Um, And I suppose the ANC Women's League president was weighing in against female judges in particular because uh, it has been female judgments that have made uh, many of the decisions against the public protector. Uh, to discuss this issue, we're now joined by Professor Andrew Divenacher from Northwest University. Good morning, Professor. How are you? I'm fine, thank you very much. Um, interesting development at the weekend. Um, uh, ANC Women's League uh, coming out very strongly on the side of the public protector. And, uh, uh, well, uh, uh, Worrying comments made about uh, made about uh, women judges in particular and uh, judicial independence in general. Uh, yes, uh, indeed, that is the case. Maybe a, a brief historical context: the the women's league was always supporting the Jacob Zuma line, and at the moment we know that the public protector is aligned with Zuma, Ismachishule and others. So there's definitely a political line applicable. At the same time, we know that there's more and more pressure on the public protector. The belief in many circles are that she is not up to the job. She's making worse, poor decisions in terms of a number of cases. We also have seen a number of court cases going against her, just thinking about the whole Provin Gordon thing that is playing out at the moment. So in that sense, the support coming from the Women's League, but Amile Dlamini and others are very interesting. I don't think that it is based on sound uh, judicial and juridical principles. My take on it is that this is part of another political battle at another front. And clearly, it has not to do with the independence of the judiciary. My take on it is that the democratic principle of independent judiciary is important. The Chapter 9 institutions are critical for our democracy. But we have seen during the times of Jacob Zuma that they were misused for political purposes. And I'm afraid at this point, at least, 
there are some evidence that the current public protector is misusing her position for political gains. And I think that is very unfortunate. That is not to say that some of the things she are touching on hasn't got merit and shouldn't be investigated. But I think the game she is playing is more political in nature than is judicial in nature at this point in time. Uh, Professor, the Judicial Services Commission has mentioned that they may be having having a look at her fitness to hold office. Yes, without any doubt, there is a process activated taking it through Parliament to assess her position, taking it to the Rules Committee. But this is going to be extremely difficult. And if we just we talk about it as political in nature and not a straightforward merit type of thing, mm-hmm. then the political makeup is going to be difficult because it is clear that there are divisions within the ANC about the position of the public protector and also aligned with the public protector are the EFF. And we know they need a two-third majority in the uh, National Assembly in order to get rid of her. So this is not going to be that easy. And we know that she's playing a political game. We have also seen that throughout the weekend and before. And there's strong political forces behind her thinking about the Eisbachesules of the world, Mm. to mention only one. So, yes, I think it is not going to be that easy, not going to be that straightforward, but I think it is critical for the Ramaphosa government to get somewhere with the investigations of the Zondo Commission. It's a very, very critical time for Mr. Ramaphosa in a general political sense. Just thinking about what is happening today in the ANC with a big conversation about the, uh, the Titum Boweni document about economic growth and mm-hmm. development that is so controversial and which the, both COSATU and the SACP traditional support lines of Ramaphosa mm-hmm. is very strongly against. So I think the whole political situation is very sensitive and putting uh, the public protector in that context is making it even more complicated. Uh, Professor, you could say that an office like the public protector in terms of Section 9 institution is in actual fact inevitably going to be controversial. Um, and that if a public protector comes out and, and like, does seem to have a political line, um, you know, her, her, her predecessor was also seen as having a political line. Yes, I think in a way you are right. Unfortunately, the moment you are reaching a point which we refer to in the literature as low levels of institutionalization, Mm. where institutions are not strong, they are not autonomous, they are not effective and efficient, then they become political in nature. And the bigger trend in South Africa is low levels of institutionalization. And the gaps is filled by forms of political action. And at this point, it is not clear cut what is political and what is judicial in nature. And then we must remember the thing that uh, the old Renaissance philosopher Nicola Machiavelli said, power is more important than rights and legal frameworks and constitutions. At the end of the day, the power base will dictate. Mm. 
And I must tell you, although we have an independent judiciary in some ways, there are political influences. There are definitely a political context that cannot be ignored. And in this situation, it is definitely the case, and that is also applicable to the case of the public protector and probably other Chapter 9 institutions as well. So that is part of the rules of the political game of South Africa 2019. Uh, Professor, would you say that perhaps um, it would appear as though the ANC has been divided into the Amaklevas and the populists? Uh, the Amaklevas, they, 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 they've got their university education, they understand how the system works, they understand international politics, international finance and so on, and uh, they're trying to service the system in this way. But at the same time, there's also very strong groundswell within South Africa of people who feel that the system, the institutions are not in actual fact meeting their needs. And this inability of the Amaklevas in the ANC to be able to give a voice to that dissatisfaction and uh, perhaps I suppose you could say institutional rigidities are unable to be flexible enough to meet um, the unexpressed expectations of a big mass of our people. Do you think, isn't that in some way maybe the real challenge that is facing uh, Pravin Gordon and so on, is to give a better voice than Ace Magashule to, um, uh, to the dissatisfied people in South Africa? I can answer you on a number of levels. I'm just going to touch on some aspects of your question because it's very, very comprehensive. Throughout the world, there are a very strong tendency uh, in terms of populism. Mm. Look at the United States of America, look at India, look at parts of Western Europe, look at throughout the world, literally Brazil is an example in this regard mm, and yes. so on. And this is also applicable to South Africa. Mm. And uh, basically it's a combination of uh, big socio-economic challenges combined with the mobilization of forms of nationalism. Mm. And that is Currently, it's a scenario in South Africa. We have strong populist tendencies in South Africa. Think about the Julius Malemas, mm. the BLFs, part of the EFF, and so on. And what is happening before every election, like what happened earlier this year, we have strong uh, mobilization of expectations. Mm. And now it comes down to institutions that must deliver and the institutions are not up to it. Think about ESCOM, think about Transnet, think about the SABC, mm. think about 80-90% municipalities that are dysfunctional. Your analysis of the two groups are relatively accurate. I think uh, that uh, the two groups is basically aligned. The one around Ramaphosa, who is a more elite group, accommodating the Pravin Gordons, the Titu Mbuenis, mm. and many others. And then we have the populists. Mm. And I must tell you, at this point in time, there's a lot of political momentum around the populists. Mm. And uh, I am concerned, especially with decisions taken uh, today with regard to the economic growth plan, because that yes. is a big test, but also a catch-22 mm. for Ramaphosa and his group. The test is, oh, how are they going to convince other groupings in terms of buy-in into this process. If they are not going to go through with this plan, and in my way, a lot more should be done to get the economy right. Mm. This is, in ANC terms, a very conservative 
type of plan. Yes. And my take on it is there's going to be strong reaction, it's going to be difficult, and probably there's going to be an inability to take decisions with regard to South Africa's future. Yeah, that does, uh, that does sound worrying. That does sound worrying indeed. Uh, Professor Andrew Duvenacher, uh, thank you for joining us uh, this morning on Marcus Sahaba. Hope you have a wonderful day forward. Thank you very much. Take care. Well, okay, things are getting worrying. Um, you know, uh, Moody's is uh, possibly downgrading us in November. Uh, government has come up with a plan. Uh, but the plan uh, has got a lot of privatization elements uh, thrown into it. For instance, the last, mi- the last mile from uh, the main network to your house uh, that's been identified in the ICT sector uh, in terms of rollout. People are saying, no, we need to uh, bring more private uh, players into Transnet's network, um, Transnet's network. Uh, in order to provide ordinary people with uh, free, uh, well, not free, but uh, cost-effective access to the Internet. Uh, data has become uh, almost, almost as political, a, as, almost as important a political question as uh, many of the other things that uh, the, uh, the, the government is considering at the moment. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, if... Um, if Silver Ramaphosa was able to wrap a privatization into a free data deal, <laughs> he may be actually able to draw some of the populist elements away from Ace Magashule. Really, seriously, I am, uh, if you look at uh, in terms of generations, uh, if you really want to meet the youth, you want to, you want to bring the youth onto your side. Give them free data. Yeah. Give the youth free data and you will have them in the palm of your hand. Uh, maybe next time if we have uh, Andrew Divinach on the show, we, can, we, we, we could put that proposal to him. But it only happened to, you know, the idea only happens afterwards. It's happened so many times to us. Uh, no? uh, yeah, uh, I think, yeah, if we were to give the youth free data, you may in actual fact be able to pull a very strong section of that popular support away from Esma Gushulia onto Sulurama Pause's side. But anyway, that's, uh, that's just a little throwaway bit of advice from us here at Marcus Sahaba. Uh, Got to go for a quick word from the marketplace. Our sponsors are always out there. Don't go away.